Warning, this podcast contains questionable content of the more adult variety and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Don't say you haven't been warned. Carla, put your pants back on. Hello there, and here we are at part two. Hello, welcome to part two. Uh, Michael, dude, we got some shit in the post, and I uh, I was so excited. I was so excited too when you sent that. Share okay. it with the people. Okay, first, and I meant to share this last week, so I'm sorry. I'm gonna do it really quick. We got one of our we got our first own postcard back. Yes. Oh, yes. did we? We did. So this says, "Hey guys, I don't have any fun drunk stories." Well, that's okay. You can send us any stories. They don't have to be drunk. Uh, Since I've been so busy, but I can say that I had two free whiskey shots or fire whiskey shots. I'm not sure. I hope it's free because that's better. After work and my new job on an empty stomach in brackets. And I've never felt that warm and fuzzy so quickly before. Ha ha. Love a listener. I'm guessing that's Jen because I know that she drinks whiskey. It kind of looks like her handwriting and I've sent her cards. So. Hi, Jen. I love you. Thank you for sending that. But even more exciting, not that you're not exciting, Jen. Just saying. (laughs) We got mail from motherfucking Betsy Ross in Philadelphia again. Do you remember they sent us a postcard last time? Betsy Ross. She's my bitch. So first of all, Betsy Ross wrote her return address as no return address, but it was definitely written in like dip quill pink ink. (laughs) Ink. Ink. It's amazing. So, uh, thank you. And it says on the first page, did you know the stamp is a scratch and sniff stamp? Which at which point I'm like, I'm going to scratch and sniff this and it's not going to be. And they'll be like, ha ha, joke's on you. It's really not. No, it is. It is. It smells like, it smells like Sour Patch Kids or like Sour Skittles. It's delicious. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is what Betsy Ross has to say. Greetings, Postal Podcasters. I believe I heard you mention Patreon. Well, I don't like Patreon, but I like your podcast. Oh, we like you too, Betsy Ross. Aww. Enclosed in this letter is a money order for sharing your great stuff on the interwebs. I download your podcast on my wife's smartphone that has no data plan because my phone is a flip phone. But alas, you do not care about my technological woes. You are too busy defacing history about the United States flag. But I <laughs> but I will not take a knee when your show has the stars and stripes. Uh, in parentheses, you do sing America the Beautiful, right? Uh, America, America, God shed his light on thee. Is that the one? So beautiful. Thank you. I will be sure to do that next time when I have a voice. Um, because I am not a fortunate son, I am a wonderful daughter who has knitted history. Now go postal! <laughs> exclamation point. Betsy Ross. P.S. The funds are straight from the Betsy Ross Foundation. Yay! Aww. So, and it has a postal money order for in the amount of $20. So this is, we don't actually have Patreon. Um, but we do really, really, really appreciate the gesture and I don't know if I'll ever cash it. I, th- <laughs> I think I might just frame it cause I'm so excited about it. 
uh yeah thank you betsy ross that's amazing twenty dollars in your money is like a bajillion dollars so thank you so much i know this is this this part two is dedicated to you and if you had a promo i would play it but i don't know how that works so um I wish I could make, I mean, I could, I don't have time to make it, but like a reality show of Betsy Ross. She's like, hi, I'm Betsy Ross. And like her flipping her hair, just imagine. And like her little hat flying off. Her bonnet. She's got like the flag and she's like twirling around. And... I, I want like the flag to be stitched on the inside of her skirt. So that when she twirled, it just be like, <laughs> oh, um, and like or it's one of the those flag sewn onto her bloomers. <laughs> we love you betsy ross thank you betsy ross okay um so we have a oh, oh by the way hi i'm carla oh and, and i'm michael and we're the podcast that is a grab bag full of fun sponsored now by betsy ross and we're called go postal hence why betsy ross sent us a postal money order yeah. wink wink nudge nudge oh and by the way i looked up that post office like code it is in philadelphia pennsylvania so it's motherfucking betsy ross just saying it has to be there's no one else no one else lives in philadelphia except betsy ross so uh but this week michael we have a really exciting theme that we started in part one and uh, what is it it is <laughs> I, I really wish we had video of us just now because we were like acting along to our entire intro. Um, <laughs> we need a life. So, uh, Michael, this week, do you have a story for me? Oh, I sure do. I love your stories. Please share. I have two more stories that are stories that are as close to real life zombie stories as we can possibly get. Stories. Uh, I just wanted to put stories in there again. And if you guys didn't listen to the first part, listen to the first part and you hear about the history of zombies in pop culture and if zombies could actually be a real thing. So find out why. All right, Michael, find take it away. All out. So we've all heard of the infamous bath salt zombie attack of 2012 down in Florida, right? Right. I was in Europe at the time. I'm like, I'm never coming home. Mm-mm. You all can keep your zombies. <laughs> zombie zombie apocalypse is happening while the world is burning in my home state of Colorado. I'm just staying here in Europe where it's safe. <laughs> well, I know we've all heard of it, but I'm still going to tell you all about it anyway. <laughs> Please do. I refresh us of the details. So this is the one where a nude Rudy Eugene attacked and cannibalized one Ronald Popo eating half of Ronald's face, including his left eye and leaving. Yeah. And leaving poor Papo blind. Although he survived the attack and according to WPBF news quote, has learned to dress and feed himself shower and shave after working with an occupational therapist and mostly spends his time playing the guitar. Um, Sounds therapeutic. Yeah, I mean, so he's doing well and relatively speaking. Ma- 
well yeah and seeing as how he was homeless for 30 years of his life he's now doing well for himself so good yeah at least that kind of turned his life around it sucks but yay (laughs) uh so the most interesting part about this story at least to me is that the police and medical examiner are at odds in regards to the reason for eugene's behavior The police believe it has to do with bath salts. However, the Miami-Made County medical examiner and a secondary outside toxicology lab came up with reports that Eugene had no sign of bath salts or any other drug save marijuana in his system. And we all know that doesn't make people eat each other's faces. Otherwise, Colorado would be the world's biggest haunted house. (laughs) or like ground zero yeah it it would be the birthplace of zombies (laughs) so i don't know what it was uh people are like very divided and don't know i mean we all refer to it as the bath salt zombie attack but who knows i don't know my like you they would know how to like test for that stuff right yeah and they did, and they couldn't find any of the chemicals that would be in your body from bath salts. Oh my but they also stuff. did not they did not find any digested flesh in his system either. Um yeah. So he just like macerated it in his mouth, like or masticated it, like what? Like I'm I don't know. It out? But then again, but then again, he was shot on site during the attack, so he obviously didn't have enough time to actually digest anything if he did eat it. Um, but he did die from those gunshot wounds, just so you know. And so, didn't it take, like, didn't they, like, tase him and it took them, like, seven or eight shots to take him down? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> oh my god, that, that's, that's, wow. Okay, so, so it could, that could be patient zero, for all we know. Could be, yeah. Keep that shit cryogenically frozen so we can research it later. (laughs) Just say. Perhaps a lesser known story, though, is about the rapper Big Lurch, who smoked PCP, uh, entered into a psychotic state, and murdered his roommate, Tynesha Saiz. This was in Los Angeles. Uh, He then ate part of her face and lungs, and... Big Lurch was found on the street, covered in blood, and howling at the moon upon his arrest. He is currently serving life in prison without chance of parole. Oh, my God. This had to have been, like, in the 90s if it was PCP. I didn't even know PCP still, like, existed. It was in 2002. Okay. So, Uh, close close enough to the 90s. Yeah, like that rave era. Oh, my God. That is wild, Michael. And in the in the court hearings, uh, his lawyer tried to sue his record label, saying that they were trying to incite violence to get his rap career off the ground, and then they were later later like um, give like taken off the hook for it, and now he's just in prison. So. Oh. You know, don't do drugs and and don't eat people. Don't do drugs because you will eat people. That's a pretty good incentive (laughs) not to do drugs. I know. Yeah. Good. It is written. 
The meek shall inherit the earth, but not on my watch. I am King Asylus. I wasn't born to be a king, but America needed something democracy could no longer give her. And so, like a chess master, I made my moves with anticipation and bravado. This is not just my story, nor simply about my rise to power. This is a story about our world and the monsters that control governments. What happens when the monsters cannot control me? The Rise of King Osiris. Listen on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Visit theriseofkingosilas.com. Well, Michael, that brings us to one of my favorite segments. (gasps) (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. You keep surprising me with these little, like, added extras. It is some – I love you so much, Michael. I had so much fun. I love Halloween. I know. Me too. We should do like five podcasts this month. Oh wait, we are. Oh snap. Oh. Um. Okay. So for this week's hysterical history, we are going to talk about Marie Laveau. So coming back uh, last week, we did New Orleans for our boobs, booze, and bazaar. So if you uh, didn't hear that, go back listen to it. it. Gives you some background on the lovely city of New Orleans, uh, and one of their most famous people is Marie Laveau. She was born in 1794 um, and was a Louisiana Creole, which is descended from colonial white settlers, black slaves, and free people of color of Southern Louisiana, not to be like there's Creole food and there's Cajun food and they are, they are different things. So don't mix them up. People will get busy. So Creole is what's really popular in um, New Orleans. So for several decades, this voodoo queen, Held New Orleans. Oh, sorry. And I have to thank womenhistryblog.com. Just putting that out there. Okay. Um, so she was for the for several decades, this voodoo queen held New Orleans spellbound. She staged ceremonies in which participants became quote unquote possessed by Loas, voodoo spirits. She um dispensed charms, potions, even uh saving several condemned men from the gallows, told fortunes, and healed the sick. So she was basically a witch. Uh, the first white settlers of Louisiana were French, usually the second born sons of aristocrats. And these Frenchmen came to be called Creole and made up the upper crust of, made the upper crust of New Orleans. The word was later used to refer to white Frenchmen as well as people of color in New Orleans. It is thought that Laveau was born in the French quarter on September 10th, 1974. So happy belated birthday, Marie Laveau. Illegitimately. 1974? 1794. You did. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh, my bad. That's her reincarnation. Uh, 1974. No. 1794. So still a happy belated birthday to Marie Laveau. Illegitimately to a plantation owner named Charles Laveau and his mistress, Marguerite D'Arcantrell. 
who was black and Choctaw Indian. Marie grew up on the plantation and studied to be a hairdresser uh, and was devout Catholic and went to mass every day of her life. Wow. That sounds awful. Okay. Yeah. So she married a Haitian man named Jacques Perry in 1819. He, uh, there was a large Haitian immigration to New Orleans after the Haitian Revolution in 1804, which for those of you who don't know, it's actually a really cool piece of history. It, um, all the slaves uh, revolted in Haiti and uh, basically kicked out all the white people from being slave-owning assholes and then started governing themselves. Fuck yeah. Which uh, made things really bad for slaves in the U.S., uh, unfortunately. Because they were afraid the same thing would happen here. Okay, so this brought with it a large revival of voodoo and other traditional African-based cultural practices in New Orleans and the Creole people. Um, Laveau's husband went missing in 1824, and she insisted that he had died. But evidence suggests he was a worthless piece of shit and abandoned her and their two children. So, I don't know, I think she's kind of trying to save face as well. So, after Paris's death, Marie Laveau began working as a hairdresser catering to the wealthy white and Creole women of New Orleans. Um, and this is kind of considered the root of her legend. So, and, and kind of her, inf you know, circle of influence. So many of these women looked upon Marie as a confidant, confessing to her their most intimate secrets and desires about their husbands and lovers, their estates and families, their husbands, mistresses, and business affairs. So basically Laveau was in the know about all the good girls. In 1826, she entered into a common law marriage with Louis-Christophe uh, Dumesnil de Glapion, a member of a prominent local family. Uh, she lived with him until his death in 1855, so it was like 30 years of companionship. Um, they never married, but Marie had 15 children by him in rapid succession. Holy crap. Yeah. And this ultimately ended her hairdressing career. Um, but she by no means lost her clientele because as she settled into domesticity, she also um, set about becoming the legendary voodoo queen of New Orleans. Um, while voodoo was commonly practiced in New Orleans, uh, the widow Paris learned her craft from a voodoo doctor known variously as uh, Dr. John or John Bayou. And by 1830, she was one of several voodoo queens. Well, uh, Laveau combined voodoo beliefs and the Catholic tradi traditions, and we see this a lot in religion, you know, combining of uh, accepted practices and old practices to kind of form new things. She used holy water, incense, statues of the saints, and Christian prayers, which helped make voodoo and hoodoo. Hoodoo's not, it's a real thing. It's the magical rituals associated with voodoo more acceptable to upper-class New Orleans society. Her beliefs included the recognition of spiritual forces which can be kind or mischievous, that preside over daily life and intercede in the lives of their followers. Um, connection with these spirits can be achieved through dance, music, singing, and the use of snakes. Ugh, no, I'm good. You can leave the hoodoo at home. Um, <laughs> so Marie Laveau, because uh, really, let's face it, there can only be one queen. And she quickly came to uh, dominance as the voodoo queen of New Orleans, taking charge of the public voodoo rituals and ceremonies held at Congo Square one of the few locations in the rigidly segregated New Orleans where people of different races could mix freely. She ran other operations at the Maison Blanche, which is the White House, and it was built for secret voodoo meetings and liaisons between white men and black women. Of course. Um, Laveau made a good income by selling Grigri, spelled G-R-I-S, G-R-I-S, 
which means gray in French, uh, gris gris, an amulet originating in Africa, which is believed to protect the wearer from evil or brings luck. She also sold charms, magical powders, guaranteed to cure ailments, granting desires, and confounding or destroying one's enemies. She also told fortunes, gave advice on love, and prepared custom gris gris for anyone needing to affect a cure, charm, or hex. Um, some scholars believe that Laveau's feared magical powers of divination uh, were actually based on her network, you know, that she established uh, through her hairdressing. Through so She had a network of informants, which she developed while working as a hairdresser. Um, and she also visited, and as she visited her clients, mostly white, she listened closely to their gossip. So, uh, was it loose lips, sink ships kind of a thing? Yeah. Uh, she overthrew other voodoo queens of New Orleans, and she acted as an oracle, a person who predicts the future conducted private rituals behind her cottage on St. Anne Street in the French Quarter, performed exorcisms, and offered sacrifices to the spirits. Um, I saw a tweet the other day by Satan, and he said, would y'all stop sacrificing animals? It's starting to look like a zoo down here. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, although a local newspaper once referred to her as the quote-unquote notorious hag who reigns over the ignorant and superstitious as the queen of the voodoos, she was also feared for her power, with numerous stories of what, quote-unquote, happened to anyone who offended her. At the same time, she healed the sick and was regarded by many admirers as a living saint due to her humanitarian work. So she did, like, visit imprisoned people and feed them and do, like, really good works with the community. Uh, rich mm -hmm. and poor sought the aid of her dark powers to control lovers, gain fame and fortune, become pregnant, and exact revenge on others. Um, Laveau never really retired, and even in her later years, she still tended to the sick and those imprisoned. On June 15th, 1881, so mind you, she was born in, what did I say, 1794. So she lived to be almost 100 <laughs> years old in the 19th century. Holy crap. I know. Wow. Uh, yeah. Marie uh, Laveau died peacefully at her St. Anne Street home at the age of 86. A uh, writer... Lafcadio Hearn referred to her as one of the kindest women who ever lived, and she is buried in num Cemetery Number no. One, where you can still visit today. Uh, and people love to deface her grave, much like they do Oscar Wilde's grave and you know any other famous grave. Um, by it was there's this awful urban legend that says if you draw an X on it, turn around three times and shout your wish, it'll come true. And if it does, uh, you have to come back and circle the X. So yeah, there's all sorts of. Huh. Her tomb is completely defaced. And a couple years ago, someone threw like pink latex paint all over it, which is oh. so bad for old stone. So they put a lot of money to restore it, but um, they decided to power wash it. Oh, no. <sighs> instead of calling in a conservation company. So, yeah, uh. it's it's an it's a they got it restored. It's it's better now, but still it's heartbreaking. So that is lesson learned. Be respectful. So, yeah, that's your historical history for the week. She is a really cool, badass Ma saucy mama that's really cool and it it reminds me a lot of uh the religion that's going on and gaining popularity in mexico right now santa muerte oh yeah uh, yeah and that's all run by this basically one woman who has terminal cancer and she's just like i take care of people and yeah Yay. it's pretty cool that is really cool thank you for sharing that yeah you're so welcome
Hey guys, it's Tammy Merhep Chavez. And Bryce Mitchell Williams. We are the hosts of Hollyweird Paranormal. It's a podcast about Hollywood, true crime, and the paranormal based out of Los Angeles, California. We spike this Hollywood cocktail with stories of true crime and its paranormal aftermath, along with dirty Hollywood scandals and secrets that make up this weird city of Hollywood and its surrounding areas that make up this crazy state of California. Catch our episodes every Sunday on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Life is too short to be normal. Stay weird with Hollyweird Paranormal. All right, but you mentioned a cocktail, and now it's all in craving. Right? Let's end this promo and get one. Yes. <sighs> I'm tired of hearing myself speak. I am ready to invite the lovely Countess Cordelia back to our show, and I'm so excited to hear what she has for us this week. Let's go for it. Dust, are you okay? I don't see her anywhere. Um, but I have a letter from the Countess delivered by her trusty maid, Johanna Hogg. Perhaps this will explain her absence. Oh my. Uh, okay, let me let me read this. Let me just Dear Carla and Michael, please excuse my absence from your show this month. My delicate constitution is unable to sustain a month's worth of plebeian, unnerving, and might I say repugnant tales surrounding the folklore of your society during this month. I've taken leave to my October castle in the Carpathian Mountains. I shall return on the 1st of November when your otherworldly frivolity has ceased. Sincerely, yours truly... Until November, the Countess Cordelia of Rutherford, Hampshire. P.S. Johanna, I know you are reading this. I wasn't born on the day of yester. Please make sure Mama's silver is polished and placed back in storage, along with all the mirrors, by the time I return. Uh, it kind of sounds like the Countess is a vampire? I'm a bit worried about her because if she's not, she has gone straight into the arms of a vampire is what it sounds like. Ooh, maybe maybe she found a, a vampire court. Ooh. Ooh. Very <laughs> sassy. Well, she was all about, what, Anorak last time? Like, hello. Maybe she got a secret admirer in her <gasps> October yes. castle, if you catch my drift. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> Oh, somebody needs to clear away the cobwebs, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God, I uh, killed Michael. You did. <clears throat> well, yes. given the Countess's absence, I figured I would take this month to review or just bring to your attention some possible unknown films related to the week's genre. Fuck yes. Let's educate you on some lesser known horror films. So this week, I bring you Wreck, short for record, if you 
didn't catch that. It's a 2007 found footage style Spanish film about a reporter and her cameraman following firefighters into a seemingly typical situation in an old apartment building. Or is it? I don't know, Michael. Is it? (laughs) The emergency responders and residents are then... Of course, locked inside the building with absolutely no escape from the horrors within. Uh, Found footage films are easy to screw up. Everything has to be believable. Otherwise, you'll lose the audience immediately. Wreck does a great job with the exposition and execution of the plot, allowing the viewer to believe the world of the film is the world in which they live. Although when the horror does begin in the apartment building, there are times that it feels like a recorded walkthrough of a haunted house. However, the amount of planning it takes to get each and every actor and crew member on cue is astounding. The choreography between the cast and crew is reason enough to check the film out. It's really the synchronization of both sides that make this film feel authentic. I give Wreck four out of five zombies for an entertaining take on the somewhat tired genre of zombie films. I am going to watch this tonight. Where can I, where can I watch it? Uh, I'm pretty sure you can get it anywhere. I got it from the library. So (gasps) I got a library card. There you go. And it's only like 80 minutes. So it's not like it's taking up that much of your time. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, That sounds really awesome. I watched um, a quiet place the other night. Uh Uh-huh. I loved it. Yeah, so good. (laughs) So good. Oh, my. I didn't realize John Krasinski um, directed that. Yeah, it's his first. And by the way, John Krasinski in a beard, like, oh, my God. Marry me now. I am surprised everyone in the theater I saw it with made it out alive because I'm pretty sure I flooded that theater. (laughs) 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 Keep your love juices to yourself, Michael. Okay. (laughs) Um, no, it was, it was astonishing. It's funny because, uh, Ohio and I watched it together and right after we both were like talking in really low whispers and doing everything really quietly, (laughs) but I was horrible because I became a movie talker, Michael. Like it's one thing to like, you know, have an occasional comment here and there, but through the whole thing, I'm like, well, then why don't they do this? Why haven't they tried this? Why isn't this going on? Like just asking all these questions and he's like you're being such a movie talker I'm like fuck (laughs) I'm one of those people oops but it's quiet like and it's not in it was we weren't in a theater so yeah you know there was ample time to talk and not miss dialogue but anyway no I loved it it was fantastic so I give that you give that I was gonna say a five out of five zombies I'd watch it again oh even though it has nothing to do with zombies (laughs) no but it's fine (laughs) I really enjoyed it too. And it definitely challenges modern viewers because of how much long periods of silence there are, but I loved it. I thought it was so good. It was and so much going on, but um, anyway, so yeah. Also, I just wanted to take a minute to say that uh, you guys should go out and register to vote. Cause speaking of library, I went and got an actual physical library card to my local library um, and while I was there, I got the forms to register to vote because online wasn't working. So that is an option. Go to your local library. Um, and there's so many ways to register to vote these days. Check out your local laws. I know in Tennessee here, you have to register by October 9th in order to vote. 
or no, it's a month before October 9th. Yeah. When's the election, Michael? I should know these things. November oh my God. 9th, I think. Yeah. Okay. So that is right. So it's a month before. A lot of places are a month before. So get out there, register to vote, go vote, do your civic duty. Uh, let's put shit on the right track for, for our country, for everybody. So that for people like sake. Michael don't have to, right? <laughs> so people like Michael don't have to be scared about his marriage status. And maybe I can convince him to come back to the States and be with me. And other people don't have to be scared about everything that's happening in the States. Right. So, yes, um, that's our soapbox for the week. And just had to plug that. Perfect. I know. I always am. All right. Well, if you have any scary stories you would like to include this month, please, please, please send it. We'll take anything about ghosts, Loch Ness Monster, demon possessions, uh... Have you seen Bigfoot? Have you seen a Yeti? I don't know. And I'm not talking about your microphone if you're a podcaster. Um, write us. We want to hear your stories. If you've heard somebody else's story or if there's a story out there you think that is really crazy that a lot of people don't know about, uh, a bananas Reddit feed or scary pasta, anything, we want to hear it. So write us at uh, Go Postal Podcast, P.O. Box, 198514, Nashville, Tennessee, Three seven two one nine, or email us at gopostalpodcast at gmail.com. And Michael, where can they find us on the social meets? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at gopostalpodcast. Feel free to send the answer to your the random question of the week there, which is... Your random question of the week is, what is your weapon of choice in the zombie apocalypse? Ooh, there's Ooh. so many good weapons out there. I am excited to hear everyone's yes. response. You're fantastic. Well, Michael, I know you got to run because uh, you're getting a new home. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, keep us updated next week, all right? I shall. Well, until next time, auf Wiedersehen. Brains. I mean, ciao. <laughs> Right.